to you as well. And uh, so if you're at home right now and you haven't already done so, uh, you can get your elements for communion, which we'll be receiving uh, together as a community in uh, just a little bit before the message. So make sure that you take some time to do that. And uh, again, we welcome you. Um, we want to welcome you to the first week of Advent. Advent, which begins the church's liturgical, oh Lord, I, here I go, liturgical, I almost said detergent, liturgical year. <laughs> this is the new year for us as followers of Christ. Advent encompasses the four Sundays and weekdays leading up to the celebration of Christmas. The Advent season is a time of preparation for our hearts and our minds for the anniversary of the Lord's birth on Christmas. The first candle, which Jessica just lit, uh, which is the purple, symbolizes hope. It is sometimes called the prophecy candle in remembrance of the prophets, especially Isaiah, who foretold the birth of Christ. It represents the expectations felt in anticipation of the coming Messiah. Our call to worship is from Isaiah 2, 1 through 5. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God, of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall abrogate for many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Amen. Hi, I'm Hutchin, and yeah, and you're, are you glad to be here too? Yes. Yeah. How about the bravery of kids that will come up and guide us in the prayers of the people, right? These are beautiful gifts to us, and so um, as we pray this morning, we're just inviting you to let these words enter your heart. stand with us. Jesus Christ, who walked among us, your life fulfilled over 400 prophecies of those who prayed and waited for your coming. We pray this morning and declare our hope in you together, saying, Jesus as we pray and wait, our hope is in you. For all who wait for answers to prayers, may we, like our, your prophets, see with eyes of hope and willingness to speak of our faith in you. Jesus, as, Jesus, as we pray and wait, our hope is in you. For freedom from judging others, that like Joseph, we may withhold our judgments so that the work of God may unfold in the hearts and lives of those who are dear to us. Jesus, we pray and wait. Our hope is in you. Gracious God, give health and wholeness to the sick and give Patience and understanding to to those who take care of them. Jesus, Jesus, as we, as we pray and wait, our hope is in you. For all who serve our children in churches, schools, and throughout our communities. Jesus, as we pray and wait. 
as a new leader. For the leaders of the world, that they may work for truth and justice among the nations. Jesus, as we Jesus, pray, as we pray and wait, our hope is in you. Holy Spirit, keep us centered in our activities and aware of who drives things in truth. Amen. Jesus, as we pray and wait, our hope is in you. All these things we ask in the name of him who is the hope of the world. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Everybody, amen, 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 amen. How about, how about we all give one another the sign of hope some way? Go ahead and pass some hope around, friends. And thank you guys so much. Such a blessing. And so together, we're going to take communion, and some of you may want to come up, and I think we have a few pastors that are with us in the room that can come up to the altar and just speak a blessing over you if that is what you need today. And others of us, um, we might want to remain in our seats. You get to be wherever you need to be on this day. But I know every human being needs hope. Can we say amen? And, um, you know, hope, the scripture tells us, is an anchor to our souls. And there are times when we can feel like the waves are really beating us about. But there is hope. Who needs hope this morning? Anybody need hope? Yes, yes. And, you know, anybody who's been in the room before, you've heard me tell the story that my dad had a disagreement with St. Paul about saying faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. My dad always used to say, you know, I think the greatest of these is hope. Because sometimes you have to hope to have some faith. Sometimes you have to hope to be able to love. And so my dad wasn't trying to argue with the Apostle Paul. But he was trying to give me a way to say, I want to say yes to hope. Because hope came in the form of a person. By the way, kids, I don't know if you noticed, there's no baby in the manger yet and won't be until Christmas Day. And so what we want to say is one of the beautiful things about Advent is we can have an empty manger so that it reminds us that waiting is a part of our Christian tradition. It's a part of how God calls us to watch and wait. Think about the people who for all the years before Christ was born, believed in those prophecies. Over 400, some people say 456, I don't know. 456, 57, 53. I, all I know is that there were people who waited in hope for the coming of Jesus as the incarnate God who walked among us. And so I want to say, whatever you're waiting for, it's not bigger than that. Because Christ has come, right? Christ will come again. And what we know is that even on this day, there are people who are going to meet with Christ on this very day. They will open their eyes and be in the presence of Christ. There are others of us that right now, we have people we love that are already face to face. And we want to say, hope is an anchor for your soul and anything Anything, my friends, that you're waiting for, you do it with God and not alone. So we're going to invite our pastors to come up, and anyone who would like to come up for a blessing, feel free. And others of us, we're going to open our communion here.
And whether you're at home in this very moment or in the room here at Crossroads or later this week, if you are present to presence, Christ is present. If we become present to the presence of God right here, wherever we are, Christ is present. And you are our hope. On the night that you were betrayed, you took a meal with your friends and gave them hope. You said, take this, all of you, and eat. This is the symbol of my body given for you. This bread broken. And every time you eat, do this in memory of me. And after supper, he raised the cup and said, drink this, all of you, the cup of the new covenant. My lifeblood will be given for you and all people so that sins will be forgiven. And every time you drink, remember me. And together, friends, let's hold the elements and in whatever way you can say, Jesus, we remember you. We remember you at the table, in the bread, and in the wine, and in the hope that we share. Receive these elements as a sign of hope. Well, can we pray together for our offering? And we know that together we're doing amazing things. And, and through each of us, this church is able to reach out to the entire world. And so it's in that way that we pray for our offering today. God, we thank you. And, and with all our hearts, we, we're, we're filled with thanksgiving for all that you are to us. And God... For those of us who this weekend we have been in places of longing and looking for hope, God, we pray that you would fill us with that strength, with that hope, with that love. And God, how grateful we are. And so we pray for this offering knowing that uh, each of us together are stronger and, and together we're doing amazing things throughout this earth. So God, strengthen us. God, multiply this blessing. And God, we give thanks for it today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We all pray and we all say amen. Well, welcome. You've already been welcomed today. But if today's your first time here with us at Crossroads, we're so glad that you came to visit us today. And uh, we'd like to welcome you officially. Um, at the Next Steps, you see we have a Next Steps kiosk over there. I'll be there after service, and so will Sharon. And so we're there to answer any questions that you may have. If you'd like to get signed up for our newsletter, if you'd like to find out what's happening here at Crossroads, um, we're there to answer your questions. And so if that's you and you're here for the first time, don't forget to stop over. We have a free gift for you. And before we get to our message today, we are going, and if you're online or actually in the room, if you're new, you can scan that QR code. Um, and if you're watching online and you're joining us for the first time, ccmonline.org, you'll see a tab that says I'm new, and you can find out all of the same information there. But a few opportunities I want to share. December is a busy month, not just for you, but for the church, of course. And we have so many opportunities, and um, opportunities for generosity. And so if you've been around Crossroads any length of time, you know that our month of December, we look for ways that we can serve the ministries in our communities that are doing good work in the region, including right here at Crossroads. So um, I have cards over at the next steps, but I'm just going to, and they may be on your table too, but just a few of them, and you can see right from here we have our food pantry. And as you know, we've been hearing about the food pantry and the many um, increases in the cost of food, the price of food, the people who are needing food. And so if that's a near and dear to your heart, please um, consider a financial donation to that. Of course, we have our Haiti school where we provide Christmas gifts for our children in Haiti. And do you know what the kids in Haiti want for Christmas? They want beans and rice and oil. 
Isn't that amazing? So if you want to be a part of providing beans, rice, and oil for our kids, um, you definitely want to consider making a financial donation to Haiti. Any of these, you can just write it in the memo of your check or on an envelope or online. There's a drop-down that will give you all of those opportunities. Safe Place. So every year we provide a box um, in our foyer for unwrapped gifts for the children and the families that Safe Place serves. So if, if that's something that you want to do, I have all the information at Next Step. So consider how you may, may be able to... Um, impact the life of another person this this December as we consider the opportunities for generosity. Also, um, uh, we have Mercy House Global. You may remember several for several years in a row, we have a table in the back where Karen Carpenter, who was our ambassador for Mercy House, has um, the, the wares that the artists make. And so these artists from Mercy House Global are women who have been rescued from either human trafficking or from abuse or poverty. And they make, um, they make beautiful products, and so it's a great place to buy some of your Christmas gifts and help these women at the same time. So that'll be set up on December 4th. Watch for that. And then also on December 4th, we have baptism. So if you've given your heart to Christ and you want to take that next step in your faith and you want to... Um, Join all of want all of us to surround you in your faith and your relationship with Christ. We want to join you and uh, come on over to Next Steps. We can get you signed up. We can answer any question that you have regarding baptism, but that's on December 4th. And then we also have um, on December 7th, grief and finding our way. And so, Kobe, I don't see Kobe in the room today, but um, Kobe is going to be guiding that evening. It's just a one-time event from 6.30 to 8.30 on December the 7th on a Wednesday. And Kobe comes to us with, um, uh, as a, uh, the director of hospice nursing over at Oakland Hospital. For many years she was. She also has been professionally um, trained as a parish nurse. She's a care minister here at Crossroads. And she has her own experience with grief and finding her way. So... If, uh, if you are finding your way during these holiday, holidays with someone uh, missing from your table, we want you to join us on that night. And again, I can get you signed up over at the next steps and or you can sign up online. And um, I think that's all, but there's a lot of other things that are happening that are not on my list. There's a men's breakfast coming up this month. See Ed Edwards, he has, he has invitations. We have a uh, cookie decorating for the women that uh, is going to be at Claire's house. So we have a lot of fun things planned. All of them are on our um, website and our Facebook page. So if you've not visited there, take a look and find out what's happening here at Crossroads. All right. Thanks, Kathleen. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I'm looking forward to that cookie creating thing at Claire's house. I'm going to have a private uh private session, cookie eating. It'll, it'll take place right after that announcement, whenever we find out when Claire and everyone is going to be making cookies and cookie testing. They're for the kids, but we want to make sure they're safe. So, <laughs> yeah, I had too many cookies. I've already had a couple people. <laughs> this is so good. This is so good. This is what happens to you when you're me. But, um, I've already had a couple people warn me that they might fall asleep while I'm talking, so thank you for the warning. I don't know. I, I'm going to take that as that was the turkey. No, there, there were other reasons. I, I told them I hope I stay awake, too. So anyway, welcome. Um, yeah, first week of Advent. Uh, we're heading into this Advent series. We're calling this series Wait For It because Advent is really about waiting for the coming of Christ. So we want to spend a few weeks here preparing our hearts for the coming of Jesus in our lives, uh, the birth of Christ, what that means to us, and how powerful that is for this moment in our lives, and how important waiting is. Waiting is something that most of us are not especially fond of, um, but it's such an important part of our life, isn't it? And what happens in the waiting uh, many times is more important than what happens 
uh, in the fruition of things. Uh, in this case, waiting for the coming of Christ, it's all important, right? That God is doing something in our lives even as we wait. So we're going to be spending a few weeks on that. Um, I have, uh, in this first week, the theme of the first week of Advent is about hope. Um, in case you didn't pick that up through the songs we've been singing. Um, and I just want to ask you, how full is your hope tank? I think that this conversation is such a critical conversation, maybe now more than ever, because I think that a lot of us have a hope depletion because of the last, um, not just in this room or online, but I think around the world there's a hope depletion. Um, and uh, with everything that's gone on the last couple of years, it's it seemed like there's, I've, I've spoken to people that have, they haven't come out and said, I don't, I, I, I'm not really hoping for anything, but by the way that they're communicating, um, you kind of pick that up, right? They feel hopeless. Um, and then you, uh, the, the, just the outpouring of strain emotionally and mentally on all of humanity uh, is indicative of a people that are having a hard time getting a hold of hope. So I think this is an important subject for us to talk about. Um, the first week, as we light candles through Advent, the first week is also the prophecy candle. Um, and there's a lot of scripture, a lot of prophetic scripture uh, about Jesus' uh, birth hundreds of years. Imagine this, hundreds of years before Jesus is born. Prophets in the Old Testament are talking about Jesus coming to earth as a baby. It's, it's amazing, right? I mean, think about it. I, when I think about how long I hope, and wait for things, it's obviously nothing in comparison, as Claire mentioned, to the waiting and then the fruition. When Jesus appears, the incarnate Christ appears, how profound that is. Um, in Luke chapter, or in Isaiah 7:14, why don't we read these scriptures together? I've just got a few of them, but there's many more. Uh, so think about this as we're reading these scriptures. Uh, these prophets are writing things hundreds of years. God's speaking to them hundreds of years before Jesus shows up on the scene. Isaiah 7:14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. That's really pretty hopeful, right? And then let's go over to uh, Isaiah 9.6, another familiar scripture. We're only going to read part of what you're probably used to reading or hearing around this time of year. Again, several hundred years before Jesus. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And then in Micah chapter 5, uh, we read this about Bethlehem, about where Jesus will be born. Uh, let's read it nice and loud. This is the last one of these prophetic scriptures. But you, Bethlehem, Ephratah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come from me one who will be a ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Now, I want you to think about the fact that God was speaking hundreds of years before Jesus shows up, and think about your own life, and think about your own hope tank, and how things that maybe look uh, hard for you to accept, that God is busy in your life, understand this, God is doing something in your life, and God is with you now, even if you can't see it. Then there, from the Old Testament to the New, there's literally a few hundred years some say 400 years about, where it's just kind of silent. And these people are so faithful to wait for Jesus to show up. Psalm 25, uh, one, uh, verse 1 says this. It says, O Lord, I give my life to you. I trust in you, my God. Do not let me be disgraced or let my enemies rejoice in my defeat. No one who trusts in you will ever be disgraced. But disgrace comes to those who try to deceive others. Show me the right path, O oh Lord. Point out the road for me to follow and lead me to your truth and teach me. For you are the God who saves me. All 
day long, I put my hope in you. Can we say that together? All day long, I put my hope in you. Remember, O Lord, your compassion and unfailing love, which you have shown from long ages past. Do not remember the rebellious sins of my youth. Remember me in the light of your unfailing love, for you are merciful, O Lord. The Lord is good and does right. He shows the proper path to those who go astray. He leads the humble in doing right, teaching them his way. The Lord leads with unfailing love and faithfulness all who keep his covenant and obey his demands. All day long, I put my hope in you. What are you hoping for? What is it if you were to answer that simple question, although your answer might be kind of lengthy, what are you hoping for? And how is your hope changed? Imagine when I read about, for instance, Simeon and Anna, Anna in the, in the book of Luke, and these folks that have been praying and waiting their whole life, literally, for the coming of Christ. And when Jesus finally appears on the scene, Simeon says this in a prayer, Sovereign Lord, you have promised you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen the salvation which you prepared in the sight of all people. Light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. And then Anna, it's said of Anna in Luke. She was the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was a very old person. She lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but she worshipped night and day. She fasted and prayed. And coming up to them at that very moment, up to Joseph and Mary, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. What are you hoping for? What is it that you're waiting for? And I want to encourage you to wait in hope that God really is involved in those things that you're placing before him in hope. Now, I love that Advent this year starts on Thanksgiving weekend because I think that gratitude and hope are so connected, right? Gratitude is the pleasure and our awareness when hope comes true. And hope is the waiting in faith and anticipation for that which we long. Let me say it again. Gratitude is the pleasure and our awareness when hope comes true. Gratitude might be the closest thing that comes to tangible joy in our lives because it's, it's about our past. It's about our maybe right now in this moment, but gratitude is about hope fulfilled turns into gratitude. It becomes the thing that we know tangibly. We see it no longer in part. We see it before us that God did something in our lives. But hope, hope stretches us, and it's just as critical, if not even more important, than gratitude. They're, they're like two pieces to this very essential part of the lives that we live. Hope is the waiting in faith. It's about our future. We hope for the things that we haven't seen yet. Hope is waiting in faith and the anticipation for that which we long. Sometimes that involves pain. Sometimes that involves silence. Sometimes that involves pressure. Sometimes that involves our wondering and our confusion. But hope keeps us moving toward the things that God's called us to. Gratitude always feels good. Hope is the anticipation of the good. So what is it that you're hoping for? One person put it this way, that hope is a patient, eager, confident expectancy. So in keeping hope alive, there's a few different things, kind of ingredients that go into our lives. 
hope, first of all, understand this, that hope is not wishful thinking. We're not talking about just wishful thinking. Hope literally are these things that God kind of places in our life that we hope and long for. What is it that you're hoping for? The first thing is that to hope, we need to have a dream or dreams. What are you dreaming for? I, you know, the, the older I get, the more I have to pay attention to this. It seemed like when I was younger, it was easier to dream for things. It was like everything was wide open, the chalkboard was blank, and it was like just dream for this and that. But now as I get older, I know I have to be a lot more intentional about my dreams. But they're still there. And they're there for you too. And I, I would encourage you, when it comes to hoping, start with dreams. What are you dreaming for? This is a good way, in my opinion, to start kind of a dream list. It's kind of like a Martin Luther King Jr. type of thing. I dream of a world where... I would say this, this is just a handful of things that I would say. I dream of a world where no person would abuse another person. I dream that no parent would watch their child go to bed hungry. I dream that no person would despair of their life. I have a dream where there would be no elderly person who would struggle with Alzheimer or dementia. I dream of a world where no human would be enslaved by another human. I dream of a world where the good news of Jesus would be clearly communicated and lived in integrity by the body of Christ. That when the world looked at the church, they would see what Jesus really wants represented. I dream of a world that the kingdom of God would be advancing and coming into your life and mine. Of course, I have dreams for my family, for my marriage. I have dreams for my children, my family. I have dreams for my grandchildren. I have dreams for great-grandchildren that I hope will be here before I exit. But if not, I already have dreams for them. And I pray for those dreams. These are just a few of my dreams, but how about you? What are your dreams? I notice that my dreams change with age. And that's not a bad thing or a good thing. They just do. They're changing with age. I, I notice when my dreams in, in my earlier life were more centered around what I would accomplish with my life. I still have dreams to accomplish things with my life. But my dreams are less that now than they were then. And that's not wrong. It's not, they weren't wrong early when my dreams were about, God, what, what do you want me to do in the world? But it's important that we dream. The second ingredient that I want to mention to you is have desires. Have dreams to hope, and we need to have desires. This is a little bit different. See, we can only hope for that which we long for. You can't hope for things simply because you think you should hope for them. You must genuinely want it. One person says it this way, if your guts don't ache for what you are hoping for, you really aren't hoping for it at all. I love that. If your guts don't ache for what you're hoping for, you really not hoping for it at all. It doesn't mean that that's necessarily bad, good, or indifferent. It just means that that's really not what you're hoping in. The things that we hope for are the things that keep us up at night. They're the things that we long for, that we desire. It's important that we have dreams uh, and, and that go into our hope. It's important that we have desires. It's also important that we have some company. Did you ever notice how many people in Scripture felt alone? I mean, amazing people. Did you ever notice how many people, when they would fulfill something, like something tremendous would happen in their lives, they would feel alone? There would be this, it, it becomes like a hope vacuum at times. 
they, in one way or another, make this statement. You, you find it, Moses made a statement like this, the prophet Elijah made a statement like this, Jonah made a statement like this, it could be said Mary made a statement like this, I alone am left. And the enemy, understand this, it's important that you have some company in your hopes. Because the enemy tries to isolate us, and that's one of the ways that the enemy tries to steal hope from our lives. To isolate us. Now, there is this place for solitude and silence. There is this place for being by ourselves. But there's also this place where it becomes dangerous and hope gets stolen from us. And this, honestly, is probably one of the main things that I've watched over the last couple of years, the last few years is the enemy moving people to places of isolation and their hope being robbed, their hope being stolen. See, the enemy would love to isolate you and cause loneliness to take over in your life instead of hope. One of the most important things that we give, this is, this is one of the reasons why being together in community is critical. One of the most important things that we give to one another is simply presence. One of the most powerful things that happens in your life and mine when we come into a room together and worship God is simply the presence we give one another. It's the presence of God that is in, inhabiting your life that does something in my life that's so important, and vice versa. We need to have some company in our hope, people that are life-giving and safe and honest, people that can challenge us in a healthy way, people that I can hope with and you can hope with, that we can be vulnerable with. You and I are never alone, even when we feel like we're alone. See, our hope, when we come together, there's this synergistic thing. It keeps hope alive. We encourage one another in hope. We share testimony. The scripture tells us in Revelation, it says that we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Your testimony doesn't really mean anything if you're not telling it to somebody. Your life imparted to another person brings hope. Your sharing the things maybe you've struggled with but you've overcome brings hope into a life. Robin Williams said this shortly before he died. He said, I used to think that the worst thing in life was to end up all alone, but it's not. The worst thing in life is to end up with people who make you feel all alone. And I would say this, is, this statement is such a challenging statement for the body of Christ. We at times, the body of Christ has not been good at helping people not feel alone. When anyone walks into here, one of the longings for all of us should be that they would not feel alone no matter where they came from, no matter what's going on in their life, no matter how broken they feel like things are, we should be a place that makes people feel like they're not alone. You're welcome here. You're welcome to bring the things that aren't right in your life is I, I feel welcome to bring the things that aren't li right in my life. It's interesting, one of the things that Claire and I, we've had people over the years say to us, why, what, you know, at different times, why, why, did, why have you stayed where you're at? Did you ever have anybody ask you that? Like, it's kind of a curious question, isn't it? I, like, when they ask it, it's like, what, what are you up to? Um, you know, you got something going on in your own life, uh, do you think I'm an under-accomplisher? Like, what does that mean? Like, you're kind of talking down to me by saying that, but hey, whatever, it's cool. 
one of the things that Claire and I uh, deeply value, and it's connected to hope, I believe it totally, is the vow of stability. Just the commitment to presence with people. The commitment to the journey with a community of faith. That's hopeful to me. So hopeful. Which brings me to the last thing I want to mention is the fourth ingredient is the ingredient of perspective. Some would call this faith. But you need to have a faith perspective. We continue to hope only as long as we believe all things are possible in God. There's really only three choices. The first choice is a utopian view of the world. You can have that. I've lived long enough that I, I never had that, but I would have let that go a really long time ago, right? Like this, this view of the world that there's going to be this utopian thing, that everything's going to be perfect, humanity will make it all right. That's one option. The second option is just simply deadly despair. Uh, we joke around about this at our house. Um, just, and, and I've heard this, you know. Uh, one of the reasons why I believe this, I'm going to say more than I want to here. But anyway, one of the reasons why I believe, like, we're so drawn, for instance, in the church to, like, second coming stuff. And I'm not, I'm not, if you're into that, that's, it's in there. You can certainly read that. So I'm not saying that's not good, but one of the things that draws us so profoundly to that is we just want to escape, right? Like Claire and I, we, we don't use theology to do it. We just joke around and we say, you know, when's the comet coming? Like, like we just want to get out. It's a bad day. You're having a bad moment. It's like, come on, comet, you know? It only happens at our house, <laughs> It's this despair. I mean, there are just things that go on sometimes. Don't you just say, where is the exit to this place, right? You feel like, I am in Hotel California. I can't get out of here. Just when I thought it would be better, somebody else stood in front of a microphone and said something bizarre. But have a faith perspective. The third alternative is to say, no God lights out. But with God, I always have hope. You always have hope. That is beautiful stuff. With God, I can put all of the eggs in the basket of Jesus, right? Like Jesus is going to show up. Jesus is here in my life right now on this day. It's awesome stuff. Another question that you find in the scripture is God says this question over and over in different ways. How did you get here? And I would say we get there by choosing one of the other two of the three. We get to those despairing places. We get to those places where we are lacking hope like Adam and Eve when they're trying to hide themselves because you just chose a different thing. You didn't go to Jesus and God is the way to bring hope to everything in our life. Another way to ask the same question is who are you listening to? Are you listening to the enemy? Are you listening to hopeless, discouraging voices? This is one of the reasons, if no other reason, this is one of the reasons to just shut off media. If you feel like there is this hope-sucking, like, vacuum in your life, cut off the voices that are sowing hopelessness into your life. Despair. Nonsense. 
I'm not saying you have to. I'm just saying just pay attention. Media. Foes. Friends that appear to be friends, but they're like Job's friends. Carnival barkers. And yourself. One of the gifts of the faith movement is the encouragement to positive self-talk. Just simply this. You are created in the image and likeness of Christ. And any other talk that tries to thwart that in your life can be concerning. It's, it, you need to be suspicious of it at least, right? So to be hopeful, we need to have a dream. We need to pay attention to our desires. We need to have some company. And we need to have perspective, and I would say a faith perspective. What is it that you're hoping for? As Claire called us up in front, and I would just want to end with this because I want to pray for us. As she called us up front, and some folks came uh, for prayer and others didn't, but it, it was making me think about just in this room, sometimes we're not even aware of our hope. Like, I, I know some of us might be in this room today, and we're hopeful for... It might not be directly about our own life. It might be we're hopeful for a friend we have or a family member that's got something going on in their body or in their mind that's not healthy. Some of us are hoping for a different situation in our relational world. And we've, we've, we've gotten so disillusioned and disappointed. I want to encourage you to hope going to pray that God would not only renew hope, but that we would understand that faith is a substance of things that are hoped for, that we can really trust God. You know, it really is true for a lot of the things we hope for. If God doesn't show up, it is lights out, right? Like when you think about, when I think about the things I'm hoping for, if God doesn't do something profound, it's not going to happen. But I'm good with that because that's the core of hope. I'm hoping that God can do something that nobody else can do. He may use people to do it, to accomplish it. But without God, it's not going to happen. That's why the utopian pursuit isn't going to happen. Some of us walked in here today and... We're glad Thanksgiving's over. We can't wait for the holidays to be through. We're hoping for something different maybe next year in the holidays. God sees that. God holds that with us. What is it that you're hoping for? And I want to pray for us all. Why don't we stand, if you can, and would like to. And I want to pray that God would fill our hope tank. That we could believe for the impossible. All things, oh God, are possible. As we move into Advent and we, we begin our wait, we start it right here. We're going to wait in hope. Waiting in hope for the miraculous for our children. Waiting in hope, God, for something new and beautiful in our relational worlds. We wait in hope for forgiveness and your generosity because of us. Some of us today are waiting in hope, but we all agree together. We're waiting in hope for healing of diseases that we know, God, without you are not going to be healed. That's 
same as our health professionals are. Some of these things go beyond that, God. As amazing as some of our therapists and counselors are, some of this goes beyond that, God. We wait in hope. that people have waited for hundreds of years for. We wait in hope for your presence in our lives, in our home. We wait in hope with our friends who are hoping for a peaceful home life, a secure, safe feeling when they're at home or at work. God, that we would be able to hold one another in your presence. That when we walk into this community of faith, that we would feel loved. That the journey that we're on, that you're so faithfully helping us with, that we would feel loved by one another. And that would be expressed. We wait in hope for all of us to grow to be sensitive to your spirit, to be open to your anointing, to be led in your power. And we wait and hope, God, for the moment where we would more often lay hands on the sick and they would Jesus name.